This podcast episode is brought to you by Uncaged with RobinAnn.com, where virtuous women dominate in purpose, passion, and purity. Tired of being sabotaged by perfectionism and procrastination? Finding it hard to focus on one thing long enough to make real progress? Ready to do whatever it takes to get that passion project done? Then the Women Who Finish 40-Day Devotional book is for you. In this book, Robin Ann coaches you through mindset shifts to fulfill God's call in your life and truly harness your ability to finish what you start instead of feeling stuck and frustrated with where you are. Get your devotional book now at robinann.com forward slash IG. Upgrading your career means looking outside of your job and seeing how you can impact your community with your skills. This is what I've seen in my friend Rolanda Nicholas. Rolanda is an example of being a leader and a real advocate for her community as a young professional. She's not only a former senior attorney with the Guardian at Lightham program of Miami-Dade County, she's also tirelessly served her community through the Urban League of Broward County as the president for two years for the Young Professionals Network and even had time to help plan a church in her 20s. What I find in Rolanda's story is a great reminder that your job is not your only platform for fulfilling your potential. Through Rolanda's work with the Young Professionals chapter of the Urban League, she's helped to coordinate an extensive seven-month college readiness program and execute community empowerment initiatives. In this episode, I interview Rolanda to talk about her story, including how networking and volunteerism has impacted her career and even her personal life. You are not going to want to miss this episode. We really dig in deep and get some gems and talk about even dating, singleness, you know, changing life seasons. And so I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. Listen in. Welcome, 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 Rolanda, to the She Ventures Now podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Gan, for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I told you I wanted to. <laughs> I feel like it's been like five years. I think I, I think I first broached the topic like five years ago after just, we might, you might have been leading a small group in your house. And I was oh, wow. Like, I think so. And it took me forever to kind of, one, get a podcast up, but also send you the podcast link to make this happen. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And I but. totally agree with God because, uh, yeah, I probably five years ago would have backed out too as well. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. We've always shared not just a friendship, but like these great conversations about life over the years and... Um, oddly enough, I've said, I said this to you in the email I sent you, uh, I've, re- I've really become grateful to God for you and your willingness to just talk about stuff outside of the formal context of church or like nonprofit work. It's just like, I could just talk to you about, Hey, I'm feeling this kind of way about something, you know? And, um, I really, really appreciate your friendship. So this is a different kind of podcast. So before we even get into the juice, can you give like a formal introduction of who you are so people who are listening get to know who you are? Okay, of course. Well, my name is Rolanda 
now, oh, it's actually changed. So it was formerly <laughs> Rolanda Janice, but now it's Rolanda J. Nicholas with no H. Because um, I recently got married, but um, born and raised in um, South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area. Went to Fort Lauderdale High School. Um, oh, then went to um, University of Florida. Go Gators. Go Gators. The best university. In the um, state of Florida. Um, <laughs> nation. <laughs> so that's, um, I think that was actually um, just a time just to grow and find out who I, you know, who I am and, you know, the whole college experience. For sure. Um, but I think, you know, got super involved in, in college, um, joined a sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, joined BSU, mm-hmm. um, you know, student government, um, did a lot of that. Um, and then I think in 2007, was like my my time where um I like really you know I grew up in the church I knew who the Lord was I had that um but I think it was that time where I had like a relationship with God I had a you know a really good friend um Lisa Noble now but used to be Clark who kind of pushed me and was like hey I think you should and I was kind of like nah nah um check out this this very diverse church and I was like (laughs) So, um, but um, grew to love it, um, was involved, and that's kind of where I'm, well, I knew, you, I met you, Aeon. Yeah. In high school. Yeah, way before that. Friendship mm-hmm. with you. Yeah, um, we did. College, um, being part of Greenhouse. Yeah. So, um, then after that, um, went to law school, 2007 to 2010, um, and then moved back to South Florida um, in 2010 until Because I really want people to hear all that Rolanda 
Nicholas is and was and has accomplished. Um, you spent, you served for two years as the Urban League of Broward County's um, Young Professional Network's president, right? Yes. So I, so November, yeah, November is going to be five years. I was part of the wow. Urban League of Broward County Young Professionals Network. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out. Love you guys. Um, and I think during that time, I think um, just like all of us, we're young professionals. Um, you know, we get involved with various things, whether it's professionally, um, volunteering. Um, but I think it was a time where um, I really wanted to just serve, just mm-hmm. really serve. Like, I, it's different. I think it was, I was in the courtroom, I was advocating, you know, going to trial and all that, but I really wanted to have that one-on-one mentorship because I think that was important for to help me to get mm. to where I am now. Yeah, um, I had wonderful mentors throughout. Um, specifically, Nishan Rawls, um, who she, she was my mentor for Gator Launch when I was a junior. Wow. Um, and then when I was getting ready to apply for law school, just to have that person, um, especially being the first person in my family, I didn't have any <coughs> in my family. I didn't have excuse me. Um, you know anyone that I was comfortable with. So I think through that Gator Launch program, um, Nishan was from South Florida. She was from Miami. Nishan was the first person in her family to go to law school. Mm-hmm. Nishan went to, you know, UF. So we had that connection. And then um, just being able to have somebody who she, at the time she was working at the public defender's office. Um, and then when I went to law school, she actually became um, my Gator Launch professor. She's actually running for a county judge now. So I'm hoping wow. um, that she wins and uh, she's successful in the next couple of months. Um, so um, she was just that. And so it just, you know, the little conversations, the the, the yeah. fear that you talk about, right? Because you're taking the LSAT. What is the LSAT? What do I need? You know, um, even you know, she even told me something like, she was like, reach out to the admission director and tell her that you're interested. Wow. And I'm like, you know, it, it, I was like, oh. You can I, do I, that. We can do that. Like, yeah. Something that, you know, you, little things you just don't know. Yeah. Um, so like Nishan was the first one who even, I think while I was in law school, she even mentioned um, for me to like do a lot of um, just, just even the free work. You know, because sometimes we're like, I don't want to enter for free. She's like, every summer you should try different, um, different offices and different sector, you know, different government agencies just to see what you actually want to do and not limit yourself. And so that was one of the things that attracted me to um, the Urban League, YPN. Yeah. Um, they had the college short program, which yeah. that's like my baby, favorite, 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 favorite part of being part of the Urban League was being involved with the College Tour program. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my friend Crystal was like, hey, and Suzette was like, hey, I think this would be really good for you. And I'm like, ah. you know, you just don't know, especially with timing. Um, but yeah. it was like, you know, once a month um, during the Saturdays throughout the school year where we would mentor um, sophomores through seniors um, and talk to them. Like we were like the big brothers, big sisters that they didn't have. Um, yeah. We talked to them about you know, interviewing and what to expect when they go to college and, um, you know, scholarship, financial aid, because a lot of them were also first generation college students as well. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of, that's how I got started. Mm -hmm. Um, I just wanted to volunteer. Yeah. Um, And I think through that, um, I served as the vice president of programs where I oversaw all the, uh, the programs and all the volunteer opportunities. And then the last two years um, served as 
the chapter president. Um, so, yeah, and you've done an incredible job of being, in my eyes, as a friend to you, um, someone who embodies community service through and through. Like, it's not just a PR move. It's not just, um, you know, something you put on your resume. It's something you love to do. Like, being an impact in your community, especially brown and black communities, like, I feel you are a paragon of um, empowering black communities, for sure just without a doubt. And um, I definitely, hats off to you, look up to you for that and, and setting the bar, right, of sacrificing your life to serve other people. Like, I know that that's a deep value you hold and it's not, it's not uh, to be taken lightly. It's, it's not something that you're trying to just put on your, I guess, like your CV for like when you run for office. It's, it's something sincere, you know? <laughs> no, I mean that genuinely. You're so genuine and you're so sincere and you're never trying to do something for you to get, um, be in the limelight or for you to be spotlighted as like, just for award's sake. It's just, Rolanda's had her life changed by Jesus and she loves to serve people. This is what it is. So no, I, 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 I definitely agree. Cause I, I think mm -hmm. especially, um, as our Brown and like you, we're from that area. Like we mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. we know what can happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's sometimes just, I think them seeing, you know, our, the younger generation seeing people that look like them that are willing to, um, you know, give up their Saturdays, give up their weekends to just remind them, like, you can do this. Like, Hey, let me remind you that you know, whatever is in you, you can do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just one of those things where, you know, even it, it didn't matter. Like it was always something um, that I've seen people do around me that I also wanted to make sure once I got to where I, where I am now, I wanted to give back. It's not a burden, you know, it's, right. you can, you can allow your schedule to, um, to impact, like to, to, in essence, you can allow your schedule to, um, you can have excuses, right? Well, I'm busy, yeah. I'm professional, I'm dating, um, I have kids, I'm married, I'm, I'm divorcing, whatever that is. But there's something about, um, you know, there's something about like, I, I just even remember um, through this class that I took, this, it's called the Art of Marriage um, through the church I attend now, mm -hmm. where it's like, people don't remember your name, but people remember what you've done, you know? And yeah. that's kind of the important thing. It's like, when, when it's all said and done, what do mm. you want to be known for? Mm. Yeah. right mm -hmm. your bank account that's not gonna matter right you can't take that with you meddling now relationship mm -hmm. um the lives you impact the things that you've done for people that goes beyond just writing a check is to me the most valuable thing yeah yeah I would even say too this is not something you could put this on your resume I feel like you're also one of the most emotionally intelligent friends I've had and emotionally healthy friends that I've had and we've navigated different seasons together and different endeavors, one of which is something we want to talk about eventually. But even like you being as busy as you've been um, in South Florida post, you know, law school and after passing the bar, you even had time to plant a church, help to plant a church and be a, a church plant launch member, so to speak, an advisory member to the finding of a church in South Florida. Um, tell me about just a little bit about that. Cause I don't want to, I want us to save it for the end, but how did you find time for that? 
Wow. I think sometimes you, you do things and you look back and you're like, how did I find time for that? Um, <laughs> Just a I little think, bit. <laughs> uh, I think uh, it was, because I remember when it, um, when, Pastor Mike came down and they kind of charged us. And it was just one of those things to, to be in community with people that you right. love and a vision that you, you know, it's, it's not baloney or we're just selling a dream. Um, yeah. People that you love and you're, it, 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 it didn't feel like a, I mean, there was time at the end where, you know, where it was like, Whoa, this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we got into like our full-time jobs and, and still church planting, um, but I think it was, we want to see lives really change True. with the people um, yeah. like you and Zar and Sean and Natalie um, that we ran with that made it, that made it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I want to get into some of the, like the hardcore questions for this podcast, because essentially, like I said to you earlier, before we started, um, I really feel like you've at a young age, led a very full life and an admirable life and a life where, um, like I can already imagine like your kids are going to have so many artifacts of lives you've touched and things you've done and speaking engagements you've made. And one of them I think is going to be like this podcast of where you just share a little bit about your twenties. And so I want to start with this question because you've accomplished so much in such a little bit amount of time. I want to talk about setbacks and solutions because I find you to be a very, very great encourager about overcoming trials, overcoming personal setbacks. Um, and I remember distinctly around the time where you were taking the bar, there was a setback that you experienced. I wanted to allow space for you to talk about that. Like how, how did that setback, and you can kind of explore what the setback was, but how did you stay sane and overcome that? Um, I would say so, um, you know, coming out of law school, took the bar and, you know, like everybody else, you just think like, okay, take the bar and I pass. And that was not my story. That was actually quite the opposite. Um, I had to take the bar um, multiple times, um, didn't pass by one point, three points, five points. And it was um, very hard. Um, but I knew in my hearts of heart that this is where God wanted me. Um, mm -hmm. I, I actually got, I think, a, a dream about it. And I'm like, a dream? Um, and I think that was a time where God was really showing me how to, um, yeah. how to really trust him um, yeah. in a time where I couldn't see it, um, yeah. you know? Um, and I think the, the most important things when you have something, right? When you have, when, when God shows you something and you, in essence, just like, you know, naturally when someone has a, have a baby, you have to really um, protect it and you yeah. have to be around people who are willing to protect it with you, right? Mm. Until it's that part, fully you know, fully delivered yeah. and full term. Um, because a lot of times, yeah. a lot of people may think, you know, they look at you and they think like life isn't hard or you didn't have any setbacks, right? Um, but I do truly think that um, it prepared me for the um the field that I was in um yeah. how welfare because there is a lot of times where obviously you're dealing with families and children who um have some deep wounds generational things where you know people are counted out you're not going to make it things like that that you really or even in a system where um you know it becomes about my position and what I want versus what's really it's in the best interest 
um, of a child or of a family. And sometimes you have to, you know, be okay with saying, no, this is what I see, um, even if it's against what everybody else thinks I should do, right? And I even had family members to, you know, family members who were not super supportive. And it was like, wow, you know, anyone who took the, who, who ever taken the bar knows that it's a very different exam. It's, it's, it's a challenging exam. Yeah. Um, but it's something that for me, it was like, I remember when I passed before I took it, I didn't tell a lot of people. Um, not because, you know, it was, it, it, it just became, I, I learned because then people, what people sometimes do, and they don't realize that it's like, they, in essence, put a lot of their fears and worries. And it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? What, how's this going to happen? Yeah. What about this? Did you think about this? And then yeah. you realize like, whoa, like I'm weary now. And I'm like feeling yeah. all this angst in, in my heart and where it was like, you know, I really just had really great friends like you, Gayon, and I, you know, like Vanessa and any who really were like, no, I'm going to be praying with you. Yeah, Even when going. you don't feel like praying, we're going to get through this together. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't take it away. And, you know, shout out to Michelle Obama, who didn't pass the first time and look at her. Our, you I know, didn't know that. See? First lady. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's those things. It's those things. I think it teaches you how to persevere and really trust um, in the things that God has showed you before and versus, okay, like, and, and I think also it, it, it helped me appreciate it. Um, yeah. Cause you understand like, wow, I had, we had to work for this. This wasn't something that came easy. Yeah. It's it easy to say, I took it one time. I didn't pass onto something else, but the harder yeah. thing was to say, you know what, God, I'm going to do what I need to do to really, um, to trust in your word, to trust that um, you put this in me, then it's going to come through. It's, it's going to, there's going to, yeah. there's a season of, of sowing, but there's also a season of reaping. And I understood that when it was time for me to reap that season that I had, that I, I was entrusted to do the will of God um, and what he showed me to do. So that was, um, I would say that was the most, um, one of the hardest seasons in my life. Yeah. Uh, because I think, you know, we just, in life, you, you have your life pictured out and this and timing. Um, but God, I think to, God definitely took care of me along the, like the whole way through the yeah. whole way opening opportunities and even employment, um, and putting people around me. Um, I even was able to have like a bar coach because, um, Damn, I was going to ask, like, what are those practical things that you right. did right. To really honor your dream? Cause I think that's a really huge concept for people to hear from someone like you is just the vulnerability of what you're saying, but also how did you protect that dream? How did you right. move forward? Yeah. Continue, continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Um, even having a bar coach, cause I realized too that, um, how much anxiety, <clears throat> especially when you don't pass the first time, Yeah. how much anxiety it costs, you know, it, it stirs up in you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even, she even told me this, like right before she said the same <coughs> that practice, like you put hours to study the, you know, the materials, you know, this stuff, but don't let fear, don't let thoughts, like, don't let that in essence paralyze you. And that's sometimes what happens. Like we, we let our fears, we let, you know, like what people think paralyze us from doing the things that we really feel called to do. And the, the, the hardest thing is you know, you rather fail and not, and you know, you rather fail at something knowing that you try versus 
I didn't try at all. And, and because I'm scared to fail, you yeah. know, and that was one of those moments, like step, step out, step out, Rolanda, you're going to have to step out. Yeah. This is faith, this is faith that's going to carry you through. This is faith that brought you to here. And this is faith that's going to get you, you know, across the finish line. So yeah. that, that was, that was definitely, um, something that I learned in that season that was, um, so, so profound for me, um, specifically, um, taking the bar exam and taking it again and taking it again. And then finally passing the bar exam. Um, it was like, it wasn't just my celebration or I did this. I just knew I was like, yeah, you know, it, it was, it was definitely like a family affair. I would say, um, you know, faith, family, friends, um, you know, all of that, that was, you know, family. Um, it was that it was like a time that we all can rejoice, um, when it actually happened, but also knowing those people who carried me through, um, during the time that I had to retake the exam. For sure. It's so good to see what you overcame and looking back, right. And like knowing that you pushed through, because if you had given it up, you probably would have a totally different story about, you know, pushing through something else, but it's just cool to see that you pushed through that and, um, have a story to share. So that's cool. So here's the next question. All right. So I want to know, I want to know, how did you choose where to serve and how you were going to give back in your community? And here's the reason for this question. I think there's a lot of, I mean, I think we're in an era where everything is, it's cool. It's cool to serve or like social justice is cool. And, you know, how did you choose, how did you make a decision? I'm going to choose the Urban League to serve, you know, how did you make a decision around that? Because it takes you know, I've always often said to you kind of tongue in cheek, like, Rolanda, every Saturday I see you somewhere. Like, <laughs> you are doing a lot. <laughs> like, every Saturday, you know, up until you, you getting married, it was like, Rolanda is out here getting people registered to vote, getting people in college, right? How did you make a decision? I am going to give up part of my time and my lifestyle for this, this cause. I think you brought that up. So um, I think while doing, um, while serving in the, you know, in, in our staff um, at Greenhouse South Florida, um, I, I had that like burning desire. Like I'm like, it's, you know, like for, for black and brown children, you know, for black and brown communities, it was, it was that desire of yeah. wanting um, an organization that, um, goes beyond just, you know, like South Florida, because um, the Urban League, the National Urban League has been in existence since 1910. Um, but something that also the pillars of, you know, the housing, education, employment, those things were important to me, right? Yeah. Um, and I saw like the practical, because um, Urban League is just not about, um, you know, just signing a check or um, the charity right. work, but actually like not just involving the community, us, young people, old people, children, to be part of the mission. And so that's what drew me to there, like to the organization itself, to young professionals specifically. Yeah. Um, because that, that was the, um, it's the auxiliary organization for young professionals to give them the capacity to serve. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what drew me to the Urban League specifically. Um, was like I mentioned before, the college tour program, um, and the different programs that they have to really help the community. Last year, um, our, uh, our community service um, 
chair, Jasmine, um, she actually had a, um, a holiday giveaway, like a food giveaway. Yeah. So we were able to feed over 150 families. Um, and it's one thing just to write, like I said, write a check, but to have the families come in and just mm-hmm. to really give back um, to our community, um, you know, turkeys and hams and or chicken and ham. Um, and, and here's a hot meal that you're able to prepare that, that touches me more than just being able to say, okay, you know, cause I said, like I said, it's easy to say, I don't have the time for it, or I only need to focus on, mm. you know, my career or building this. And there's nothing wrong because we, you know, we have to work. We do have yeah. to work. That's important. Yeah. But I think there's something about being able to say, I'm going to carve out time to the extra time that I do have yeah. to help people um, in a practical way, um, especially for me, like the, the, the minority community, um, they need us. They, they yeah. need us. They need us in the community doing things um, and, and, and help the next generation. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there any stories that you have <laughs> that you haven't been able to share? <laughs> or even like if white peers listen to the podcast, because I'm definitely going to be posting it in the group me. Um, <laughs> What are some stories of the adventure you've been on over the last five years with YPN that you feel like no one knows, but it was an adventure of a lifetime and you just, you know, there's lessons learned in whatever adventure that was. Um, Leadership um, lessons, anything, anything. No, I just think um, lessons wise, um, well, something important came out of um, YPN, not even looking. Please talk about it. Please talk about (laughs) it. Talk about it. Talk about it for the people talk about it as a, you know in the midst of um so let me let me i'll just keep it a hundred right we've been keeping it <laughs> for real um so i just remember um even um our pastor at the time czar mentioned he was like rolanda i have no one for you no one at the church <laughs> what does he mean rolanda nobody so I want you to feel, do not feel the pressure to be here. He, he, was, he wanted me to stay here. I don't think he wanted to tell me to not be here, but he was just telling me, venture out, go ahead. And I was like, you know, I think, you know, as, a, as, as Christian women, sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> but, you know, it was still encouraging for me to hear because I was like, you know what? You're right. Let me just, let me hang around other people. You know, it, it's, you know, yeah. other people, outside people. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned before, I was, you know, I like to volunteer. I like to meet people. I like to network. Let's go ahead and do that. So, um, yeah. so Urban Lear, Souls in South Florida, if you have not joined the Urban Lear Broward County Young Professional Network, yeah. go ahead and join it, please. And those uh-huh. who, um, if you have a local um, young professional um, organization in your area, please join. Um so yeah, so I met my now husband, um, and it's so weird because I don't even think we were, um, he was on my radar like that, um, just because we were just friends. We actually just became really good friends. Um, we volunteered together, we did college tour together, um, and then from there, like our friendship just, you know, it went beyond just volunteering into each other at meetings. It went to, I'm a, I'm a huge Wayne Wade fan. Um, huge. The final dance um, in Miami, of course. Um, and at the time, uh, LeBron James, you know, was in Miami, so he's a big LeBron James fan. Um, and so that's kind of how we had conversations and text messages and videos. And I actually invited him to um, 
the uh, Heat scrimmage um, in 2014. Really? Uh, so I invited him to come. I invited, you know, I always invite all my friends to get together because that's kind of mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do is just get people together and hang out. Um, my friends meet your friends, you know, type of ordeal. Yeah. Um, and so from there, you know, that's where we probably started talking a little bit more. Um, and in 2015, the beginning of February 2015, um, we started um, becoming more than friends. So Aww. yeah, that was, that was, that was interesting. That was just an interesting time. Um, I think we, I think at first I was kind of like, ah, we're friends, you know, you friend zone everybody just as a, 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 yeah. a woman. Um, yeah. Especially I think during that time, I wasn't even dating like that. I just, just things weren't working out. There's a lot of bad dates no. and it's okay. <laughs> so this is a great segue, great segue, because now we're going to talk about some more juicy stuff. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about turning leaves and turning pages because I think that one thing I remember over the years of us both graduating, you coming down, you taking the bar, us being a part of a church plant together, and then um, us learning more about womanhood coming of age stories right and just realizing oh like dating just doesn't happen no it doesn't like, if you don't make things happen they don't happen oh my gosh what yeah. a not you know what a novel idea and i would want to say i want to say we've had like just of course just typical girlfriend conversations about like the things we needed to realize about finding a man who is eligible of our same caliber etc 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 right all of that what I would love for you to share, <laughs> I'd love for you to share more. <laughs> I want you to share more. I'm laughing because it's such a, um, it's almost like be vulnerable. <laughs> share more about the, how you had to turn leaves when it came time to entertain your now husband back when you were just, again, friends. Like what were some of the ways you had to turn pages in your own mind and just recognize like, oh, okay. I'm not just, I'm not wanting to be single forever. I want to be married, you know? Yeah, I think um, when, it can't, when it comes to like just the whole like dating and relationships um, in your mind, you may think, well, it, it only can come in this way or this person has to come. You know, I, to be honest, I thought it was probably going to come from more of a church um, relationship I thought it was gonna be somebody from a church here. you know we're um yeah. you know we're, we're doing micro church together we're serving together and boom yeah. you know and that's kind of what we saw you know Gayon, right that's what we saw in Gainesville and so that's kind of where you thought um you know you thought okay this is supposed to happen this way and yeah you know they're like I said before they're they're just when you're talking about guys and that is in your spheres whether it's age-wise education intellectual you know all that yeah um, kind of some you have to you got to expand a lot of times you you're you have for me I was like okay I there wasn't a lot of I think at the time late you know later 20 year olds you're around um there wasn't a lot <laughs> of, I mean let's, let's just be real. keep it real spiritually keep it real Rolanda keep it okay. real spiritually um that's important obviously that's you want somebody who knows the lord and that's what you want mm -hmm. but then also um educationally intelligent you know you want to be able to have a conversation a real conversation with someone right yeah. this is a person if you, you know 
if you intend to get married, this is the person you're going to be with forever. So you want to be able to have conversations with someone that you feel like can stimulate you intellectually. Right. Well. Uh, and so I think that was something like, especially in South Florida, it was like, well, where, where, no. God, where? I don't know. What? Where God, why are you? <laughs> just one. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's just kind of being open to, I think with Daniel and I, it was, and one of the things that's funny, cause I was like, I want to have a friendship with the person that I marry. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you say these things and then you're like, wait, no, I'm not trying to do it friends. And, and th- let's just be honest. Always when you have friends, sometimes it doesn't work. You can that's date true. somebody, have a good friendship with them and it doesn't work. And I think it's okay. And that's yeah. one of the things I think in my late twenties, understanding that just because mm-hmm. the first person that, you know, you guys yeah. may think you guys are compatible. You guys have a lot of similarities, but once you guys start dating, you realize this is not the person for me, or this is a person, you know, this is a person that, you know, as a friend, he's good, but not, you know, not yeah. in a romantic way. And that's yeah. something that you got you have to be okay with um, and not feel shame when it doesn't work out. Right. And I think that sometimes, especially as Christian women, we sometimes have that, we put that burden on us. Like, did I, God, did it work out? It didn't work out. Did I not hear from you? Right. And sometimes it's just, you're not in that space with someone until you're in that space with someone. So you won't know yeah. until you're really into that space. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we, we both learned that, like, you know, sometimes you got to go, you know, sometimes on a lot of bad dates, I'm not saying for you to go and, you know, a hundred minutes, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those, I know but I'm mean. also one of those people that, you know, as time and as age come, it's not always, I meet this person. He's my husband. We're engaged. We're married. It's not always like that. And yeah. it's not always, even time-wise, I would say too. Um, sometimes you think like, I need to be married with this person within six months or a year, whatever time frame that you have. Um, but I think, you know, um, one of the things that I would say that even while Daniel and I were dating, um, and we did have a breakup, um, it was just things that we had to individually process, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm all for counseling. Counseling is really good um, because it, it helps us really, um, mm-hmm. like, address some of the things that we probably never addressed, whether, you know, it's through our childhood, relationship. Um, that specific relationship. And so that was like, I think a really good thing for um, something that I did um, was actually go get counseling. Um, Daniel got counseling, we got it separately, we got it together. And one of the things that we're still doing is that we're, you know, we're going to classes to because there's just things that you just don't know, um, whether it's, you know, family wise, or you just never addressed, or things that just come up. Um, So you know, one of the things that I appreciate in having this conversation on the podcast is hearing someone talk about counseling <clears throat> even before, <clears throat> of course, there's going to be fissures, but even before there's some type of big trauma, you're talking about counseling on the outset, like from the, from the very get-go. And, you know, as a single woman, somebody who was single, like I'm, you know, I'm dating someone now who we're in our, what, nine months of dating, we're in premarital counseling and all of this, but I, I almost tell feel them, like tell them, even before <laughs> I'm telling them now, uh, even before finding someone or him finding me, whatever, you know, us finding each other, I feel like I needed counseling on just being single and being available, you know, like <clears throat> I needed counseling to kind of overcome the fear of, well, what if I don't 
meet someone in the church and what if you know what I mean like does it have to happen like you said in a specific formula because a lot of times what we find is in our friendship circles we see how it happens and we want it replicated the same way we, we think it's going to happen the same way and it doesn't you feel a little bit brokenhearted and you have to really kind of take a step back and wonder okay well what what is lord what god what do i do now what do i do with wanting marriage and wanting you to be at the forefront of it but knowing that i need to play a part i need to play a part in this and so for me i needed some counseling i had to overcome some things too and i remember just pulling your ear and trying to talk through with <laughs> different things i remember i even remember this one time I don't know if we were in the same car, but you had this CD by a pastor who oh. talked about just some practical things that sometimes right. people miss with dating. And I don't remember who you got the CD from. I don't know if it was from the Faith Center or yeah. wherever. Faith Center, you're right. Uh, you gave me the CD. I think I lost the CD, but I remember it to this day. This CD was super practical and it made me feel like, yo, we can over-spiritualize a lot of dating stuff. Right. You know, just like talking. <laughs> Talk right. Do you so, actually like the person? Do you do enjoy you, spending time with them? Does it feel like you're pulling a teeth or not? Right. You know? and I also think too, it's one of those, um, when you're, when, as you're talking about just being a single woman, um, one of the things that we as women, regardless of whether we're dating, married, single, whatever that is, is to mm -hmm. each other, right? Agreed. They know that our value is not tied to, I mean, and it's a beautiful yes. thing. I'm, I'm one, you know, I love my, I love my, I love Daniel. I love, you know, love him. I know. Yeah. But also understanding that, um, you know, as women, like, it's okay to be, you know, if it you is. don't want to be single, there's really. ways to not be single, you know, like there's practice, go on dates. It's yeah. okay. You know, and it might not always lead to, like I said, a long-term relationship that leads to, you know, a ring that leads to, it might not always be that way, but put yourself out there. And while you are single, like finding those things that are important to you. Right? Yeah. And things um, that you enjoy for sure. For right, sure. Like enjoy yourself, enjoy, um, not just yourself, but you know what I'm saying? Like go out on trip. Like this is the time you can spend as much as money as you want. Go on a trip, like go to Europe. If that's what you wanted. Yeah. Like, I, I would say that was one of the things um, and then also like being able to support your friends when they are um, getting married and they, you know, they find their new boo and they yes. are getting engaged. Like that was one of the things I know um, it's funny because everyone's like, you're like 20, you know, the 27 dresses. Um, <laughs> so people yes. used to make fun of the me movie. all the time. Like, oh my gosh, you're in so many weddings. You go to so many weddings. And I was like, you know why? I'm going to celebrate with you because when it's my time, I'm expecting all y'all to celebrate. And that was definitely the case. You guys definitely Very celebrate. True. Because I want, I, I want you to know as your friend that if you are dating and this is the person you want to be with, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be celebrated with you. And when it's time, you know, if it leads to me, I'm going to be there with you as well. Like that is yeah. one thing that I think I learned in my you know late twenties. Yes. It's okay. The desire is there and there's not, and you don't have to be shamed. You don't have to explain. Cause one of the things I think sometimes what um, people don't realize they do is like, why you're single. You're so picky. You're this, you're yeah. that. And it's like, no, I just haven't found somebody I like like that. Or I, I've sure. yeah. been on a lot of bad dates too. A lot of bad dates. <laughs> I've been on those too. And it's okay. But at the same time, like, you know, just as a friend, um, mm -hmm. to someone who's single, not, 
you know, making them feel less than or making them feel like, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, it's a practice. You have kids, you know, you may not invite your friend to your kid's party, but there's things that you can still do with your yeah. friend, right? There's still, you know, you guys can still have ladies nights. You guys can still, yeah. you know, those are moments. And one of the things that I love about one of our friends, um, Shauna and Natalie, like just being real about not going into every single detail of their relationship but they're not but they're also sharing things like you know like we still we still have a commonality that we're women right and we go through things and we need each other right yeah Um, we need we need still need to be encouraged by each other so I think that's one of the things for me like now that I'm married I had you know like one of the one of the things I'm trying to still do is just be there for you know all my friends regardless of what status you're in and you are yeah did I cut you off I'm so sorry no 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 yeah no I I totally vibe with that because I think for me um one of the things that I went through I saw this distinctly in my 20s I went through a phase where I was like I am going to encourage myself that it is okay to be single I'm gonna have the best life I'm gonna live my best life even though I'm not with someone I am not going to pin my value as a woman on being married and I'm still I still feel that way right now it's almost part of the reason why there's been a delay of me like you know putting on social media who I'm dating or whatever because I'm like I don't want to be celebrated for being married although it is a celebratory thing don't get me wrong we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna celebrate we're gonna get down okay but I think for me there was a distinct moment that hit me in my 20s where I was like nah man I can't be alone no more I can't do this thing (laughs) I can't, I can't like I just right. I don't know if it was 25 or 27 or distinct distinct moments where like a chapter really just it got like a the book of my life I, I reached a chapter I was like look no no doing this right. thing by yourself doing this thing called life by myself I don't want to do it so I know both right like I don't want to be right. devalued as a person as a single woman my value is not attached to a man but I also knew honestly emotionally being emotionally honest with myself it's like I had to come to myself and say do you want to be married is this right. is this a goal of yours because there is a measure of and I want to to be fair I think there is a measure where some people are like just wait on the Lord like you don't have to do anything and I'm not sh- I think there's a part of me that thought that like it was just going to happen I agree that it, it all you. was just going to come as a package like a Christmas gift in my living room and then I'd get married. Do you get right. what I'm saying, right? No, I think you I think you, you you're saying like you know, you're not going to meet anyone if you sit on your couch every like Friday. You're just not. It's just not going to work. Or if you only limit yourself, you know, and I think like for like if your church doesn't have guys that you are interested in, there's that too. Churches, you know? Yeah. Check out some other scenes, you know, join a young professional organization, join a volunteer organization, you know, join something, you know, like, I think that's where, you know, we, we sometimes put that onus and be like, well, God's going to, and then we're like 16, we're still single. And we're like, Oh God, you know, I'm still waiting on God where God's like, there's <laughs> parts of you, you got to do something. Right. Let's just, can we get into it? And it's not to be like superficial and all that, but you know, men are visual too. Right. So there's, there's parts, there's our part too, right? There is our part. And I think there was a measure where we were, um, 
remember we were having a conversation with a couple of girlfriends and we were like, you know, if we were to think about this on a very, very boots to the ground standpoint, when we want something in our lives, we go after it. We've been trained to do that. Whether it was a degree, whether it was a job, we want a job. We know God is going to bring us a job. We know we pray about it, but we also do some practical things. Like we make sure we revise our resume. We make sure we tell people that we're interested and we're on the market, so to speak. And similarly, I think we had to translate that. Um, And I'm bringing this up in in light of your story because I know all of us went through stages and I've seen you bloom in this stage of like, I'm going to be completely comfortable in my own skin. I'm going to be a hundred percent focused on what I know God has called me to be. And I also know I'm going to be committed to my church, but I'm also going to keep an ear out for whoever's checking for me. (laughs) And like, the way Daniel approached you was so respectable and it let you know that you could take your guard down and let you know that he wasn't here to distract. He was here to contribute and he wasn't here to um, take from you. He was here to add to you. And it was, you know what I mean? Like I thought that your story and your love story was so honorable that it was just so reflective of you're not always going to get it the way you want it, but even then some, it's going to be better than what you thought, you know? No, and I agree with you. And I think sometimes, you know, like you said, it's, you may not, it, it may not, because I mean, like I said, it, it, at first I was kind of like, nah, we're friends. We're all friends. You know, I had to think about it. You know, I, had to I remember that. He brought you I, yellow roses and you were like, yellow roses. Like, yellow roses mean <laughs> friendship, duh. But I think, you know, those are things, um, you know, like where for us too, where it's like, okay, if this is like you said, it's being straight vulnerable and saying, this is my desire, right? Yeah. Not just a desire, but I'm going to put myself in a position um, or put myself out there, right? You know, you, you also got to do that part. And then when it comes, like, you know, being willing to, you know, like try it out, even if it doesn't work out, whether it works out or not, mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, I think sometimes, like I said, fear will, will hinder us from trying it out. Um, but, it, sure. it, but also knowing that even in relationships, things are not always um, what we read in the story or what we see in the movies that can keep us, yeah. You know, emotionally like not stable to yeah. be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so when we go through relationships and we we don't have those butterfly feelings anymore or if you know different aspects come up depend you know like let's say if there's like a family conflict that comes with it or you know um yeah. or a religious con- whatever that is for you I think that's just that that's also things that um I I just even remember in counseling um, cause I remember I was talking to the counselor and I was just like, you know, kind of sharing my heart, what I'm going through, what I'm feeling. Um, and she was just saying, she was like, if this is what you want, yeah. this is something that's going to take work. Right. Um, and it's going to, it's going to be a continuous thing. Even, you know, when you get married, there's things, yeah. aspects of that other person, you're just not, you don't know yet because you're, you're not in that space with them, um, yet. But those are things too, that I think, um, when it comes to relationships, um, you know, sometimes we automatically want to say, well, you know, this, this is, this isn't any good anymore because it's, it doesn't fit into how I, how I saw this going. Um, but I think it takes just like with anything, just like with any friendship, it takes work. Um, it yeah. takes commitment and it takes dedication from both people. Agreed. 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 So <clears throat> can you tell us where you are right now? Cause I know that's part of the turning leaves, turning pages. I feel like you went from again, single, singlehood, obviously you're a married woman. So you went from singlehood to marriage to now you are living in 
in well Uniontown, Ohio, which is right outside of like um, maybe like 15 minutes outside of Akron, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is very different. So the, um, I would say this is a a, a different season, very much. Yes. Because uh, I don't think out of all the places I ever said. So this is my first time outside of Florida, first of all. Um, wow. so yeah. Family. Um, but Ohio was not, you know, a place that I circled, um, but this is where we are. Um, Daniel works at the University of Akron. He's an HR director. And so that was one of the things in our, um, I think even while we're going free, through premarital counseling, even our individual counseling, um, this is where he is. And I think when you're in a relationship, when you're in a marriage, um, yeah. there comes a time where you know, one person may have to move, um, or mm-hmm. make a decision based on, um, a career, you know, one of, you know, and more specifically, you know, Daniel, um, been in this position for about two years and we kind of felt best for us to. Oh, hold on one second. We got a little quick technical difficulty and we're back. Um, yes. Yeah, so transition in a union town. So now I am, um, looking for employment. Um, and it's funny because I think even now, um, it's just kind of getting, it's like being a new kid, um, in a new school now. So just kind of figuring where everything is, um, now like, okay, so what is this and who are these people and how is, you know, so it's like that, um, which is good as well. Cause I think, um, one of the things that I was looking to do, um, career wise, because sometimes, you know, like you, you're, you're good at your job, you love your job, but sometimes if, you know, change forces you to get outside yeah. of your comfort zone. And so that's kind of the season that I'm in right now. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know a lot of people here besides Daniel and probably one other person yeah. um, that went to law school with me. Um, but I'm, I'm also, this is, you know, when we're talking about turning leaves, this is a good time yeah. for me to kind of just, okay, what do you really want to do? Like if you had the opportunity to have a blank slate what do you want to do with yourself and what are things that are that interest you and so that's what I'm exploring right now Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's I'm doing some job interviews and things in areas that I you know was like hey this looks kind of interesting let me let me just at least apply for it right Um, if this is something that would open up Um, and then also trying to figure out like okay where are the where's the place that I want to volunteer because I think what we talked about just even being emotionally healthy for yeah. my sake, I realized like, I like to be around people yeah, um, and I like to serve and I like to, to, to feel like, you know, the things, um, that I'm passionate about that I'm actually not just sitting on them, but I'm actually doing them. Yeah. So, um, that's where I'm at in Uniontown, Ohio. Um, we literally live across the street from a cornfield. Literally. Oh, really? It's also called Green. Ohio as well so it's cool because we um I think one of the things that we're exploring is just church and kind of like how to balance that as well and um and I think um like you talked about like being from you know greenhouse South Florida for so long um I just I I just attend there (laughs) and I just go to class Mm -hmm. and I'm learning people and um not the pressure of sometimes feeling like oh I have to always be involved in something right um, but understanding that there's seasons for everything, right? There's seasons to just, like, I feel like I'm in a season where I'm just, I could just be. Um, yeah. No yeah. heavy commitments. 
um, with work or with heavy commitments with volunteering and other organizations, but just being and just kind of taking this time to kind of also recharge as well. Amazing. No, that's good to hear. I think I'm approaching that place where I feel like my life is going to slow drastically down and it's going to change and it's going to need to be that way. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I appreciate you talking about changing leaves and turning pages, I think is what I called it. Um, what I want to talk about now is to kind of end on a hot topic or hot topics, some, some hot topics, let's just say. And, and I would like to kind of encapsulate in the next five minutes or so uh, some things that we both, I guess, experienced or saw or observed and we kind of faced them together and like put the pieces together of like, you know what, this is what this is. And we're going to need to pray through this. We're going to need to encourage ourselves in this. And we're going to need to read books on this and get counseling on it so that we can become more socially intelligent, emotionally intelligent, and just whole, you know, whole individuals. So one of those hot topics I'd love to talk to you about is um, learning how to deal or learning how to become an emotionally healthy woman and an emotionally healthy leader. And the reason or the context for this concept is really like our involvement in church, our involvement, and 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 I'll, I'll say this too, I think that you've had probably a lot more context to flex your muscles with emotionally healthy leadership, just because you were uh, not only a part, a pivotal person with launching a church, but then you also became like president of Urban League's, um, what is it, YP Network, right? So I feel like you've had time to see how being emotionally unhealthy is and also practice being emotionally healthy and giving people their space and giving yourself space. So I want to talk about that. Like for you, Rolanda, what is being emotionally healthy mean? And yeah. Okay. Um, for me, um, the one of, some of the things I've learned um, in being emotionally healthy would be um, creating boundaries. Yeah. Um, because I think that's something, especially when you are serving, whether it's serving or whether it's work, um, a lot of us, or even with family or friends, we for sure, we yeah, really learn what that looked like, right? Um, I know I come from a um, a household where my mom was very strong, super involved um, at the time in church and just giving and family. So growing up, I thought if you don't give it all, that means you're not passionate about it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's how people get burnt out. And that's how people have a lot of you know issues within themselves. And so one of the things I've learned, I think throughout the years is saying, um, you know, when it, you, you know, when it becomes more than just, I need a weekend break, you know, when it's time for you to say, Hey, coach, put me out the game. Like I need to be <laughs> off. I cannot be on this court for yeah. time, and I'm there. And I think that's one of the things that we talked about, Gian, when it, um, mm -hmm. you know, transitioning from leadership um, from Gainesville to South Florida, we never took a break. We kind of were dealing with overtime, overtime, leg cramps. We can't really walk. Let's I love your analogies walk. with sports. Like, I just think that they're perfect. <laughs> I'm just, that's, how, that's how I have to process it. And I think that was one of the things of saying, hey, I need a, because um, especially when things are not, like, you know, like for YPN, it was, um, there was terms. I knew I had one term, decided to run again, had a second term. So there was an ending date, right? So I knew 
specifically that in, in regards to time-wise, but I think when it came to church planting, it was kind of in the air. Um, and I think when you, um, especially start something, you're passionate about something, you, mm -hmm. you realize that I, this is over time now for me and not feeling like you um, are not passionate about something, but understanding that um, it's needed for your own sake. Um, Cause it's just, you don't, it's easy to get burnt out in church. Let's just be honest or involvement or yes. serving. Um, it's just easy to. Well, um, let's, let's do this. Cause I think that's, I think we're not the only people who face what we're talking about. And um, the reason why I think emotional healthy leadership and being an emotionally healthy woman is such a rich phrase is because at some point we probably weren't aware how easy it is to get burnt out right. while being passionate about something. Right. You know what I mean? Like so significant to us, like the story of what Jesus has done for us and the experience we had personally. And then, oh, but I could burn out and I could get weary and I can now, you know what I mean? Like these things, sometimes they collide in a way where it's like confusing and it's like, I don't even understand what happened, but can you shed light as to why it's easy to burn out? I just think, well, especially as a African-American woman, I just, yeah, I just think that's kind of, and it, and it's not that other races don't. I just think that we are, um, especially let's talk about in the church context, a yeah. lot of African-American women um, are usually the ones who are um, a large percentage of the, you know, in the black churches. And, and we, we just, that's kind of how we are wired. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, that, that's what I think the difference of understanding what it means. Cause you can be passionate about something, right. Um, and not having those proper boundaries and understanding that, Hey, you know, I need for my, your own sake, you know, like physically wise, emotionally, like you just need to take a break for something or you, or this thing has taken so much of my time that I'm not resting and I'm not eating and I'm not exercising and I'm not in having that enjoy. I'm not enjoying it. I'm doing the work of it. Right. But I'm not really enjoying it because I have not allowed those other boundaries right into mm. my life as well. So if it's, let's just, okay. So if you are, you know, running from work, running from meetings to meetings every single day, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Where is that time where, you know, you get that pause for yourself, you're resting, you're enjoying yourself. Like, where is that? And right. I think that's, when, that's, that's kind of the, the issue because I think that when you don't understand, when you think I'm passionate about something means that I don't sleep at all, or I don't have an end time, or I can't take a break at all. Yeah. Um, then people are not going to understand those boundaries that you have as well. And yeah. I think that's when, you know, that's what you learn. And that's one of the things I've learned was it's okay to take care of, you know, of me and not feel like I am let, you know, giving less than, because I think a lot of times people, you may have this, you know, this idea of this person does it this way, right. Or this is what it means to run this way or to run this organization this way. Um, and, and, and let's just be honest, things happen. Like, I just remember, um, while wow, like in my last few years, like right before I became YPN president, like my great grandma passed away. Right. Wow. Right. And then from there, um, in 2017, um, you know, one of our good friends, um, couples, you know, they're, 
Still here. Um, their son passed away. Yep. Um, you know, and then right a couple weeks after that, like my line sister's husband passed away. Yeah. And these are people that, you know, you're, you're Aiden, you know, he went to church with us, you know, every Sunday, you know, Mario was someone who, you know, I've, you know, since college. So these are people like my great grandmother was, I, I didn't know any of my grandparents. So this was the only, um, person I, you know, we, we actually call her grandma in Creole Glen because she was that to us. Um, right. And so it's just understanding that sometimes you go through things in life that may require you to, um, to take breaks or for you to say, Hey, this is a good time for me to pause. Um, but I think at that time I was like, you know, I'm going to be vice president. And, and, and it was just like back to back things that were happening year after year. And, you know, at first I kind of felt like, you know, you're, you're going through the emotions and you're, you're dealing with the grief and you're going through, you know, going to funerals and you don't understand how much that, that takes. And, you know, and I think, especially as African-American women, we're, we're taught to be strong. We're taught to, you know, not show emotions just to get yep. you know, just go through it. And it's, it, it creates an unhealthy, you know, emotions in you because those are, then there's things that you probably needed to really take some time to grieve about, but you really didn't take the time to grieve about because you were so busy and occupied with taking care of this. And so one of the things I've learned was like, no, no, I, ha I, I listen, I, I get it. And I understand there's important things, but right now I'm not going to be a healthy leader. I'm not going to be a healthy, a healthy woman, a sister, a daughter, unless I really take the time and say, let me address this, you know, and let me vocalize it. Like I'm in pain. I I'm hurting. Um, this is going on in my life. You know, work is crazy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm having, I'm going from trial to trial to trial, you know, and one of the things I had to do and I realized was, I mean, I had to drive from Miami, downtown Miami, uh, with the crazy traffic to Fort Lauderdale ever like five times a week and then the weekends. And then, you know, it was a lot of that in the schedule and I'm, and I was thankful for it. But then I also had to say, there were times where I had to say, I'm not, this is a day, this is a weekend. I'm going to take some time off and not being, um, I think, um, the CEO and president of the urban league says, um, says it's best. She said, what's your white, you know, give yourself white space. Right. So in yeah. the calendar, give yourself time, you know, and it was like, you hear it, you know, you should do it, but actually doing that as a woman is so important. Cause I think one of the yeah. things that we do is that we take care, we're so used to taking care of others, right? We're so used to our family, you know, I mean, I have a mom who like emotionally puts a lot and I'm like, okay, family, I have to take care of my family. Okay. I have sisters. Okay. I have friends. I want to be there for my friends. Okay. I have a relationship. Okay. I have, you have all these different um, things that are going on in your life and that, and, and you sometimes neglect you the most. Right. And cause yeah. it's easy. Cause that's, yeah. that's what, you know, leaders do. We, we neglect everything, but we sometimes we forget about ourselves but we yeah. fail to realize that, you know, the best leaders are those who know how to balance that well. So. Agreed. You know, there's some things that you said there that triggered just things that obviously can't get explored necessarily in this podcast interview, but you know, the culture, the background that we come from. Right. Being black, being Caribbean to um, sometimes, sometimes the, within the community of black people, 
right. in the community of Black women, we have this extra expectation of doing 10 times as much. I think we, you share, you share, you be sharing with me the articles. This is the thing. This is why I had to do this podcast. Because you, like, over the years, you'll share with me articles that I'm like, I've either heard about or I even read myself, but you would share them with me just so that you like, be like, you know, put this on your radar, Gayon, the superwoman syndrome of being right. a black woman. Um, and then thirdly, I think there is a measure here where sometimes, let's be real, like sometimes there's messaging that says, well, you're not a great Christian if you don't do X, Y, or Z. Right. You know? Or you're not a great leader if you don't put your neck out for everybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's, it's, it gets a little conflicting and confusing, especially in your twenties when you're trying to figure out who you want to be and what's, um, what you value, you know? Cause I think there's a measure where emotional health became a real value for me when I wasn't being emotionally healthy. I didn't know how to be emotionally honest. I thought I had to deny everything. Right. I thought I had to deny my own ability to have balance or deny my own ability to have white space. I thought I had to be the donkey, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you just don't know. You 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 feel like, well, if if I'm I'm humble, if I put my put my life on the line, if I put if I'm, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like there's there comes a point in time where you have to be like, no, I'm not Jesus. Amen. Exactly. I am. <laughs> I am a human being, but it's so cool to see it lived out in both of our lives and being able to have a safe space to share about it because I think it helps to have an affirmation from someone who has been raised probably very similarly, like. I think our moms are very alike, like hard workers, industrious, always putting their neck on the line, always about family, always in the church. Like my mom cannot not be in the church. Like she has prayer meetings on Fridays. She goes to church on Sunday. She leaves Sunday school. She's started her own nonprofit. It's always, it's something. It's always like something. And, you know, I, I remember similarly having to go to counseling and just be like, I don't understand why I have a hard time saying no. Mm, to good stuff right you know boundaries was hard for me because I I was raised around women who I've never heard them say no to giving you know so that's that's one hot topic I want to talk about second hot topic is I know it's a lot I know but you're a talker and I want to get (laughs) I want to get this in is um Starbucks happened this year yes right uh Botham John happened not too long ago. This month, Botham John. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened this year that made us flare up in our text message stream. Um, any other thing that happened this year that we know was race, racial-ish? Oh, Black people and money. But So basically, those, talk, those topics, right? Okay. Do you feel like microaggressions by people in the workplace is a real thing who are not our color people in the workplace and microaggressions against black people or black women are a thing no it's it's definitely a thing and i think we always talk about this beyond like the ability to sometimes um or the inability to, as a black woman, when you're in a workplace, to always feel like you have to either be, I'm always having to teach someone this, or, you know, it's like, why are you, you know, are you offended? I mean, I, are you offended, you know, conversation, or, you know, it's, it's a balance of, okay, I'm at a workplace, but also, 
you know, your conversation, your tone, um, it's offensive. And it's learning, I think, too, um, even in the workspace, um, when things come up and sometimes it's, you know, there, there are teachable moments for people. Um, but I know sometimes one of the things that we talked about is like not always feeling like I have to be the one to do it, you know, like always have to, you know, you don't want to come off as that angry black girl. Cause let's just be honest. That's always the case. Right. Yeah. Um, when you when you're kind of more like straightforward when you're kind of in the workplace I know I you know when it comes to the workplace I do I had um you know I sometimes have friends but I try to it's a balance because um, <laughs> it really is it really is it, it, it gets it gets tiring it's 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 like well pause pause for the people who don't know what would you how would you describe a microaggression in the workplace towards black people or black women specifically like do you can you define that I almost feel like I know it when I feel it. I don't know how to define it. Let me think. Um, how do I describe it? Um, let me think. I, I would say it's this subtle non-preference yeah, so for, I don't know how to make this make sense. Cause I, I don't know, want to I say know like, in my head. I, I want to say it's not direct discrimination, but it is a form of it. Right. So I know for me, like when I was in the workplace, um, cause I'm just, you know, when it comes to certain things, I just, it's about the business. I'm, I'm working on children's lives, really deep things. Um, so I may not, you know, sometimes there were comments like, Oh, she's really difficult to work with. Right. Um, and, and when you're saying those micro like those subtle comments, um, or the preference of, oh, well, you know, or, I mean, I've had this at times where my decision on something would be questioned. Yeah. Heavily. Yeah. Just a lot. Like, does she really <laughs> know what she's talking about? And it would be like, let me go to her supervisor and see if she knows what she's talking about or let me go to this other person who's not African-American woman yeah. um, to, to confirm or see if this is wrong. Um, and then sometimes it just got really annoying because I would be stuck in these staff meetings having to explain, hey, this is this decision. This is what I see. This is the evidence that's in front of me. Oh, wow, Rolanda, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you really know your cases. Yes, that's how I'm making my decision. But a lot of times I think, you know, it was just that persona that I'm hard to work with because I may not be a warm and fuzzy, in their opinion, a warm and fuzzy person to talk about what I did this weekend. Cause I chose right. To- Isn't I that interesting? About- Stuff that has I, nothing I, to do with. Right. It has nothing to do with <sighs> what we're doing in our relationship. Like it's okay. It's business. Mm-hmm. I think that's too, like when you're talking about that, um, it's understanding that, um, you know, like we don't, as African-American women, we don't all, we don't have that safe space, right? All the time yeah. in our workplace, right? Um, because we're being judged or, or people are putting whatever, um, you know, whatever ideologies that they may have had in the past or what they've seen from other women. So there's always this, you know, 
why are you not like this? Or, you know, be this way instead of this way, because this way doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. So yeah. I think that's one of the things just as, as women, you know, as black women, you, you go through and it's always, you know, I, I sometimes yeah. that was even just, that's part of even being drained in your workplace. That's something that's another layer, right? So not only do you have to do your job, but also feeling that you have to do whatever you do, you have to do it 10 times better. And people say, oh, no, it's not true. Um, but it is true. You do because people will question you. I mean, I've been in court um, and been asked, clearly sitting in a suit, but been asked, oh, are you are, are you a parent? Are you this? Are you nothing like other than the attorney, you know, like wow. already? Um, and then sometimes having to go to, you know, in your office and having to deal with some of that issues and then having, you know, like there's just so many layers that you have to, you know, deal with when you, when you, when you are in the workplace as an African-American woman, um, let alone, you know, people may not, you know, may, may make comments about you based on maybe not just, you know, kind of putting on things that are not really who you are. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not who you are. Like it's not, and you have, and you taking, that position of this is not, I'm, you know, I, I'm not hard to work with. Now, yeah. am I going to talk to you about, you know, what's over coffee, what I'm going to eat for dinner? I'm not probably going to have that conversation with you because that's my boundaries with you. Um, but <laughs> we're here to do the work and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Right. We're here to do the work and that's what we're here to do. Um, but there's just so much that I think, you know, we, we go through constantly just being in the workplace and, and, and I think that's something that, um, you know, as you get older, it's, it's kind of figuring out like, okay, what, what do I need to address? What don't I need to address? But also taking that, you know, I think when I was first started, um, I remember the guardian line program, I think there was a lot of things I was just like, okay, don't say anything. But I think as I got older and mature, I was like, no, no, this is rude. This is disrespectful. And let's address it. No. That you you not address it, but I'm going to address it because I'm not going to be uncomfortable in the workplace either. Because that's right. not fair, right? Exactly. There's, there's so much to unpack there, but I think one of the things that stuck out to me is how much even the workplace is in a safe sp space being a black woman because you're almost dealing with two things. <laughs> you're dealing with, you're you're dealing with. Some in, in most cases, some form of subliminal racism. I'm not saying every workspace is this way, but that sublime, under the radar discrimination. And then you're dealing with the sexism piece. And right. so you almost have to like, you have to like figure out, oh, wait, what am I coming up against that I don't understand? And I just call it a microaggression because sometimes I don't even understand what is the holdup with the communication that I face or my friend's face. And, you know, I've been finding again, one of the things that I appreciate about your friendship is you are such an, um, you're so empathetic towards our conversations about like, Gayon, I've been through this too. Like, this is, this is how it is. This is what they'll say. <laughs> and just being so understanding. And it's so helpful because I remember wanting to cry like two weeks ago and I reached out to you and you were like, Gayon, it's okay. You're not crazy. This person clearly was rude. Kid you not. Like sometimes I think we always want to have, give people the benefit of the doubt. Like I have never, I've never been the person that has wanted to use race, the racism card. Like I just don't want to do it. 
You know what I mean? Like since I was young, I've never been one that's wanting to do that. But then I had to wisen up and recognize like people, there are all kinds of people everywhere, Gayon, in the workplace, outside of the workplace. You don't know what prejudices they have until you're faced with context where something is said to you and you feel some kind of way and you don't understand why things were said to you. And that's good. No, go go, for it. And and I think um, I just remember like maybe a few months ago, I had a colleague, um, an older, older colleague um, and she, Jewish colleague. And she mentioned, she was like, what is implicit bias? And, you know, it kind of opened up a conversation because I was like, oh, you want to talk about implicit biases, especially, um, you know, because even for like, I think great work that um, you do, especially, you know, we had volunteers that were um, working on behalf of the children's best interests, how those implicit biasness can come into our decisions and making recommendation in regards to the children they serve and how, you know, it, it for the, and and I think that conversation that I had with her, um, you know, it, it probably went over her head to be honest, because you know, then I started kind of going a little bit deeper. Um, and there's things that they she was like, I wasn't ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that there's things that, like we talked about, there's things on a regular that we have to think about, um, or that yeah. we because I think it's sometimes easy to say, um, you know, and let's just be honest, even in Um, And I just don't even want to talk about in the workplace, just in life in general, in the church involvement, that there's things that certain, you know, certain groups don't have to think about, right? They don't. Not in the forefront of And they don't know it, right? Or like, oh, this person are making comments about, you know, certain type of people, certain type of neighborhoods, um, you know, and and have an opinion on this is the result, even if they don't know people. Um, But I think that's where... um, conversations are important and I think maybe in the last few years I even even in the church context have gotten comfortable if having conversations um and I mean for me like sometimes you know before I was like oh this is I don't want to be that person that's always talking about it but let's just be honest like we see what's going on you know even as of now um how it affects how people think of you how people Mm -hmm. treat you um and even when they don't you know, implicitly, like, try to do it, like, you know, like, they, yes. or comments, or whatever that is, you know, like, the, the, it's something that you can't, we can't ignore, or we can't pretend it's not there, um, and, and I think by having those conversations, it doesn't change people, but I think for us, especially in those, whatever space that we are in, that we have those influences, um, it, it matters, it, it matters, it to does, talk about it and to not, you know, and not to hide from that, because I think that's what's easy. Boom. We, from it, we pretend like it's not there. It's not going to go away. Yeah. Or, and this is the soft blow or a soft um, way that hampers us from healing, health, moving on, being better. There's a bit of me that has had to learn, like, let's not just make this a prayer request. Like, we can't just pray right. about it. We can't just pray about right. it. No. No, we're going to pray and we're going to act. We're going to pray and we're going to talk about it. We're going to pray and we're going to discern like how, because for me, it helps me to know how you might have experienced microaggressions in the workplace so that I can be forearmed to know what does it look like? How does it sound like? Because again, if if your parents don't talk to you about this at a young age, you don't know. My parents didn't, my parents weren't even raised during, they weren't raised in the U.S. during the civil rights movement. They have no context about how racism happened in the U.S., 
before, like in their youth. They had to come here and then be trained on it, but while they were raising kids. So it's like, for they've never worked in, my dad did for a little bit, but for by and large, my parents didn't work in corporate America. They just know racism exists and just be, you know, just be mindful, be perfect. Be perfect, kids, because right. everything's great. Yeah, and, and, wow. and, and talk white, be white, act white, do whatever they need you to, to be or act like that so that you'll be accepted. But they won't, my parents literally don't, I don't engage with them on like, hey, how do I be for, forearmed about microaggressions or how do I tactfully talk about, hey, what you said to me was disrespectful. You know right. what I'm saying? And so that's one of the things is it's, it's become, um, you've become such a solace for me because I feel like being that you've been in workspaces where you've, obviously you have colleagues that don't look like you um, and you've encountered <laughs> different things that, you know, can rub you the wrong way. And then also maintaining your composure and being very professional about it. I've been finding in myself, even when I journal, I'm like really appreciative of how you have handled yourself because it's helped me you know, professionally and being forearmed for the workplace. So I just appreciate you and I want to tell you that. And I just appreciate just how much you've endured an hour long podcast. Talking about your life. I know it's been a lot, but Yolanda, thank you for sharing so much. This podcast episode has been brought to you by People's Insurance Services, where protecting is caring. If you're looking for competitive rates for your auto, home, or commercial insurance needs in Florida, call 954-733-8500. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher.